Gun, Episode 7. What's on tap here? We've got a recap. The Kansas game. This one hurts. We'll get into all that. We'll look back at some other predictions and projections that we made uh, heading into this week as well, too. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt. It's in the gun. Your new favorite WVU podcast. Gentlemen, how we doing? Mm. I'm glad you had to talk first, Wes. Oh, and it's been tough. 30, 30 seconds yeah. into this, and it's painful already. Yeah, nobody mm. nobody got up this morning whistling, right? Uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, you know, it's uh, – I mean, I – a couple things I wanted to point out first, because we're going to get into some other tough stuff, but uh, the only bit of good news out of the weekend was hubs, right? Uh, so, I mean, that was the the one moment of celebration of West Virginia fans had. Shout out to Bob Huggins. But, you know, every and, – and, of course, we lost Coach Signetti over the weekend, and we covered that on the, the Learfield pregame. But, you know, what he meant to the program leading up to Coach Nealon and, and how instrumental he was and – and uh, putting the the wheels in motion that led to Mountaineer Field, but but uh, you know we're, we're taping this on 9/11. Of course, it won't air until uh, September 12th. But every 9/11, I have my own little mini ritual, and uh, we all do, I'm sure. But uh, my best friend on the team when I played at West Virginia was Chris Gray, who uh, was working for Canner Fitzgerald on the 105th floor in Tower One, and Chris didn't make it out. And uh, so uh, funniest dude I ever met, funniest dude I ever knew. He was the funniest guy. I always say this about him. In every room that he ever walked into, and the best part about it was he didn't know it. He had no idea. Uh, but, uh, you know, he would put on little Springsteen uh, concerts, not only in the apartment with Chuck Pedorco and, uh, and Glenn McNew up on the mile ground. We'd all hang out there. But, but even during camp, I want to imagine this. The whole team would get up on the grass field early for the first practice during two a days because Chris would leave the locker room and say, guys, concert, concert starts in five, get up there. The whole team's up there 20 minutes early for for the first practice. Who does that? That's Just awesome. to see Chris under the tent and he would pipe it out. So part of my ritual every year is uh, I fire up some Springsteen, you know what I mean? So a uh, uh, little hungry heart uh, and on down the line, but, you know, texted his brother Timmy today. You know, and just texted some other mutual friends and kind of remembering him with funny stories and honoring him that way. But, but uh, yeah, I can't let a 9-11 pass or a lot of other days for that matter without reflecting and smiling about what it meant to have Chris Gray in our life. And we were lucky to have that. But, but I definitely wanted to start things off since we're taping on September 11th to, to bring that to the fore. Well said, Jed. We appreciate that. That's, 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 uh, that's, that's, uh, I'm glad that you wanted to start there, and uh, it's a good place for us to go here. Um, gentlemen, we, uh, we do have plenty to discuss today, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, I did want to mention as well, too, this episode brought to you by our friends at Toothman Ford and Grafton. We all know cars cost less in Grafton. Owen, how you doing, partner? Oh, man. Man. Um, I'm just, got, we got to quit beating ourselves. You know what I mean? That's the, uh, conclusion I've come up with. We got to start eliminating those rookie errors, if that's what you want to call them, uh, 
people are going to score points, man. You know what I mean? It's good football. Big 12 is good football. I think what we alluded to a little bit before the preview is if you play around with these guys, uh, they're going to bite you in the butt, you know, and we kind of got, we got whipped up front pretty bad and they, uh, they showed us what they can do. Yeah. Uh, Wes, Owen and I have, we've spoken two or three times today, kind of just, I, I think, trying to console each other on some strange level because uh, it's been a tough time. Uh, he's calling me, I'm calling him. We're just, you know, talking it through. And uh, uh, you were kind of busy with the other gig, right? For that, that crazy game in, in Cincy. But yeah, I woke up but, in Cincinnati this morning. It's been a, yeah. It's been a and then it day. got crazy. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, here's, here's what I kept going back to with Owen. I was like, look, the reality of it is these two things absolutely coexist in this world. Okay. Uh, and I'm not going to suspend either reality for anybody. Kansas is far better and far more dangerous than the Kansas that everybody's pretending they are. That Kansas is gone. They're going to be a threat to some teams. They'll have peaks and valleys. They're a different team. That's one truth. And the second truth, equally as true, we should have beaten them. Okay? That's a game we needed to win. Kansas is better. Stop acting like they lose 52 to three every week. That's gone. There'll be times they do when they have letdowns. That's the part of the building process, but they're far more dangerous, far more efficient, far more fundamentally sound, all those things. They go to Houston this week. Maybe that's a test that'll trip them up. I don't know. Maybe not, but they're a better football team. This five game sample size starting late last year when they won at Texas, they beat that Texas team on the road that just gave Alabama fit. So when they play well, that's who they are. They'll have letdowns. They're better. That's true. Okay. I want people to stop pretending like it's not, but I'm a person who is accepting both truths. They're better. That's one truth. And the other truth, we needed to win that game. Both those things are true. Not one of them. And we'll get into the specifics as to the why and the how, but I just wanted to kind of set the tone with both those things because I'm not going to walk through a conversation where I kind of suspend reality and pretend only one of them is true. And we were some 48 point favorite that lost to, you know, a team that doesn't present some threat. It's like, no, that, that's not the case. We should have won much like we should have won the Texas tech game. Um, I, that, that's kind of why I look at this as, but um, so both those things are true and we needed to get into the why, but like Owen said, the most vexing thing to me, we talked during the uh, previews, okay? I'm, I've had several conversations this week walking people through the different types of threats that Kansas might present offensively and otherwise, the different looks, how they test your eye discipline, how they get you out of place and pop big plays. That's what they're built to do. They got playmakers in the right spots. But the part that I didn't see coming was them pushing us around to the point of attack, our front seven. I mean, a front seven that looked pretty salty against Pitt's offensive line. Our front seven that had its way against Pitt's offensive line. I mean, Pat Narduzzi has to be looking at this Kansas game thinking, whoa, wait a minute. That's the same West Virginia front seven that kicked us around and wouldn't let us run the football. So he has to be wondering. Meanwhile, Kansas steps into Morgantown and does knock us around and exert its will. And that's not what Kansas was built to do. Again, they're smoke and mirrors, diversions, and they're very good at it. But what they hadn't done on as consistent a basis is just line up mono-a-mono and, 
and push your big boys to point of attack and went on first down so consistently lead to, to lead to very manageable second and third. They pushed us around. Uh, they whooped our butt at the point of attack. And that's something that I didn't see coming. I mean, for all the other threats that on some level you could see coming, Jalen Daniels, we talked about, you know, how exceptional he can be, everything on down the line. You didn't see them pushing us around up front. And that's what happened for the better part of 60 minutes, plus some in overtime. But a couple exceptions, but that's what I didn't see coming. Man, maybe that could be the episode right there. I mean, yeah. I think I think Jed just said it all. Um, I don't think any of us saw that coming. I don't think we saw 0-2 coming, certainly. We do have plenty to talk about. we got to get to our first break here. We come back, begin to peel back some of those layers. We'll look at some uh, other things that happen around college football and the Big 12 Conference as well, too. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt, you are in the gun. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, a former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton and Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Back in the gun here with you, recapping disappointing Saturday in Morgantown. It was a crazy Saturday around the conference and around the NCAA. Uh, gentlemen, we, we do our different projections every single week. Uh, there were some here that were that were spot on. Um, a lot going on, like I said, crazy Saturday, some overtime games, some big ups, upsets, Appalachian State going down to Texas A&M. Uh, we had our first coaching casualty here as well, too, with Scott Frost being uh, shown the door at Nebraska. Um, that was a that was a pretty eventful Saturday, I do say, for week two. Yeah, one West Virginia head coach at Appy State knocking off another one at Texas A&M, right? Now, already, you know, the rumor mill has started with Scott Frost, the situation there with Matt Campbell being attached to that. Who knows? I mean, uh, it seems like every job, every offseason comes up, Matt Campbell's attached to it, but I already heard sure. his name in terms of Lincoln, but uh, – there was a lot of action on Saturday. When there's a lot of action, there's going to be a lot of upsets, especially in the age yeah, of the world. I mean, how about wonder. a uh, how about a tip of the cap to Marshall as well, too, going into South yeah. Bend and knocking off Notre Dame. Hey, hey, Big O, I don't give Marshall props very often, but you go beat the Golden Domers. Hey, <laughs> I, tip of the cap to you. I'll, fair play to that one. Fair play to that one. I shot Clint um, a text. The trickets in college football were three and zero, right? I mean, Rick got a W at Jacksonville State. You know, well, our boy Travis won at South Florida, and of course Clint did what he did as the OC at Marshall. But I, I shot uh, Travis and Clint some text. We were texting back and forth this morning, and obviously a big moment for them, big moment for Clint especially. Oh man, what a win for that program! Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that turns things around. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, what I mean, that's a that's a bragging right they can sell to recruits now. Yeah. Um, so definitely, like uh, like old Wes said. 
a little tip of the hat. There you go. Solid. Just the tip, though. Just the tip. Just the tip. Just yeah. the tip. Just the tip of the hat as we uh, look at some of these projections uh, here and how they turned out, Jed. Uh, just a tip of the hat to the Tennessee Volunteers as yeah. well, too. Th- I mean, th- thank you, Tennessee. I appreciate that one. Uh, and, Jed, that was one of the projections here, actually. I'll tee you up for some of these. Um, but uh-huh. that was – man, I tell you what, that one was about spot on. We projected 35-28, to 28, Tennessee, 34-27, to 27, Tennessee. Pretty pretty close there. Just about as close yeah. as you can get. It was exactly the type of game that Vegas thinks we think we think. You know, we, as you touched on, we project some of these scores. They're not project predictions. We're just feeding the uh, the information from a point spread and over-under standpoint and seeing what kind of score we think they'll come up with. We were a point off with that one. Uh, and then Kentucky at Florida. Uh, the projection was the Gators winning last week that we made. We had the Gators winning 28-24 uh, Kentucky. Big win in the swamp, 26 to 16. Uh, and then we can jump into the Big 12 because a lot of the uh, top 25 action actually took uh, took place in league play. Alabama, Texas, that was nearly the story of the day. What a game. Uh, what yeah, a what game. a game. What a game. The projection with Bama as a 20-point favorite, we had them as a projected winner 41 to 21. That wasn't the case. Uh, 20 to 19, Bama barely escapes Austin. I had the great pleasure of watching that game with Major Harris, Brian Joswiak, Aaron Beasley, and Mike Collins. There you go. And uh, we did a thing down in uh, Myrtle Beach at the Sundown Barn Sports Bar and Grill. And, uh, man, a lot of loose talk, a lot of good <laughs> football stories. Uh and yeah, it was a that was a barn burner, man. I mean, that was as close as it gets. And and I mean, good for uh, good for Texas. You know what I mean? Going in the SEC uh, here in a few uh, and kind of giving Alabama a, a run for their money there. Well, I watched it in the press box. Uh, we were up there during pregame, and we had it on the TV just after we shortly after we started the broadcast Saturday, and. When Texas took the lead with the field goal with a minute and a half to go, uh, I mean, I Tony and I had this conversation on the air. Uh, I said Bryce Young is on the Alabama sidelines laughing like the Joker right now, thinking how hilarious it is that 105,000 Texas fans actually think they have a chance to win this game. There's 90 <laughs> seconds left, and he's going to steal their soul before this is over. And obviously, it didn't take a seer to see that comment. It's Bryce Young. Uh, but uh, so anyway, we were way off as we're most with that projection. Missouri at Kansas State. Yes, K-State was favored, but not by that much. I mean, we had them projected as a 31-23 winner. They blew the doors off uh, Missouri, 40-12, to big win for the Wildcats. Houston at Texas Tech, another one we were pretty close with just based on the numbers. We projected a Texas Tech victory 34-31 to last week. That was our projection, Red Raiders 34-31. What actually happened? The Red Raiders won over Houston 33-30. to So not far off. Iowa State at Iowa. Uh, people who love offense hate this matchup, okay? <laughs> so uh, the projection last week was an Iowa win 23-20. to What actually happened? The Cyclones pulled home the win, snapped that losing streak against the Hawkeyes, 10 to 7. Yeah, finally got one. Yeah, finally got one. So we were way off on that one as well. Kent State, Oklahoma, uh, obviously, the Sooners a big favorite. We projected a 51 to 17 win. 
Maybe we're going to have to get used to what a Brent Venables blowout looks like as opposed to a Lincoln Riley blowout because it can be more defensive oriented. It wasn't 51 to 17 as we projected. It was 33 to three. Uh, so Arizona State at Oklahoma State, again, an impressive win for Oklahoma State. They were a heavy favorite. Uh, we projected them 33 to 21 last week. They actually won 34 to 17. So a bit off with that one. Hokies, or excuse me, the Hokies. The uh, I'm already looking ahead, but the uh, the Cowboys playing good football. So uh, Tarleton at TCU, no line on that one, but uh, TCU did uh, have a 59 to 17 resounding win. Good start for them. Baylor at BYU. The projection we had was Baylor 27 24. It actually turned out 26 to 20. So uh, once again, we were we were a bit off on that one. Uh, and Wes. You want to set the table for our picks of the week? Yeah, Jed, much like the Mountaineer football program, the three of us are also 0 and 2 as well. So we all got that in common. We're all in the yeah. same we're all in the same 0 and 2 boat together. Yeah. So we're going to, you know, we're going to have to dig out of this mess together. Yes, uh, of course we give you uh, a couple predictions here that we all make about the conference every single week. Jed with the Big 12 signal caller of the week, which is which quarterback will throw for the most amount of yardage. Uh, he picked Donovan Smith, who had 350 yards, uh, 351 yards, mm -hmm. but not quite as many as 390, which Dugan at TCU had there. So close, Jed, but mm -hmm. no cigar, as they might say. Owen gives us the Big 12 uh, beer truck every single week, which running back is going to have the most yards. He said Eric Gray out of Oklahoma, 71 yards. Uh, Deuce wah, Vaughn. Wah, wah. <laughs> he had 71. <laughs> Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, 145 big ones. Hey, did you get to catch that game, Wes? Did you catch I, that game? I did not, no. Man, he's impressive. He is. He I'm going to tune in a little bit more. He he's a he's, he's a, a different roles type. That's what I kind of reminded yeah, me. That's of. what he is. And he slips. He's so oh short you gosh. can't find him behind those big big old linemen. Oh, and you can't see. You know, yeah. very but, uh, very uh, exciting to watch. Deuce Vaughn, 145 big ones for K-State. And I also every week predict which Big 12 defense will give up the fewest amount of points. And I went with TCU. I took the low-hanging fruit as they played Tarleton. And it turns out that that was forbidden fruit, gentlemen, as they gave up 17 points. And uh, <laughs> Oklahoma only gave up a field goal to Kent State. So, so Owen. The Sooners with the, the defense belt of the week. We'll, we'll close this out. But I'll just say this. We're all 0-2 here, all right? But Wes is 0-2 against Albany and Tarleton State. I mean, come on, nice. man. You know, it's, uh, yeah. What's my, yeah. boys, what's my buyout? Yeah. What's my buyout? Oh, yeah. two picks All right. so <laughs> get, get Scott Frost, agent on the phone. Let's discuss my buyout. We'll get this figured out. You oh. got to get me out of here. I'm just a liability. <laughs> I tell you what, with those kind of well, – those, those are program-crushing losses right there. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt. We're going to get to a break. When we come back here, we'll get into a full Kansas recap. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. We'll do that when we return in the gun. Game day got you on the go? We get it. GoMart is here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia-owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. 
From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, a stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, GoMart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go with GoMart. ITG, Episode 7. Time to start our Kansas recap here. Jed, I'll, uh, I'll start with you. Anything uh, relevant that you think was said? You know, you're the, uh, you're the real news hound here between the three of us. You're the one with your, uh, with your ear to the, to, the, to the grindstone, your nose to the grindstone. Maybe your nose and your ear both. That's how dedicated you are. Um, anything relevant that you think was said post-game by Neil? Otherwise, anything standing out to you here, you know, about 24 hours later as we record this? Uh, you know, he, he went straight to the media, obviously. And uh, I, after leaving the locker room and, and uh, briefly made some comments, then took some questions. But uh, a lot of them were leading back to some of the larger points that you might expect. And that's the fact that the mistakes hurt us, the turnovers, turnovers hurt us. And uh, uh, kind of the same with JT. You know, JT came out and said, look, you know, we got to stop the stupid things from happening and uh uh so they were both kind of stating the obvious but there, there's no magic words they're going to fix from anybody coach or otherwise coach player they're going to fix uh a game like that that you needed and and uh so uh yeah th th those are the types of games that man you 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 obviously knew what you were looking at going in and and then outside of a couple exceptions it is what you expected. Uh, but again, I go back to what I said earlier. The part that I didn't expect was them pushing us around. And that changed the dynamic of what they could do. Uh, but no, it's like I said, he, he briefly addressed the media at the outset of the uh, conference of the presser uh, and then took some questions. But there was, there was nothing really that revealing from a question standpoint, from an answer standpoint. Uh, and really, Lance Leipold on the other side, when you listen to what Kansas was saying, one of the things that struck me, and it's not the first time I've heard this out of the Kansas players, whether you're talking about, you know, Jalen Daniels or anyone else, but they keep going back to this, this same refrain in their post-game remarks, and that's, we just got to play Kansas football. And, you know, from the outside looking in, you'd think, wow, is that really something you'd want to say? But they've kind of taken ownership of what that means, right? I mean, that, that really tells me that internally what they've done is said, hey, we decide what playing Kansas football means. Not these previous 12 or 15 teams that gave us this bad rap. We just got here. You guys just got here. We decide what it means to play Kansas football. Take pride in that. And like I said, there's there's multiple post-game pressers now, uh, whether it's the win at Texas last year or something since then with you know, the Tennessee Tech game, whatever it might be, that I see Jayhawk players saying, we got to play Kansas football. And I thought, well, that, that strikes me as interesting, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, just the, the disappointment, I guess, you know, from Neil. Uh, we just got to execute. And I think a key thing, here's a positive note from, from uh, JT. He said, and this is coming from your leader, right? This is the guy who's taking the snaps. Going to take you to the show if that's, if that's the case. But he's the, he's the guy who's going to fight to the end to get to win. He said, we're this close, right? This close 
from being where we're at now to being where we need to be. So yeah, these, these small things, right? These stupid penalties, these, these rookie mistake type deals. Um, uh, and I feel for those players too. I, I, I was a, a walk on coming in. Uh, the first play I ever had as a Mountaineer was a personal uh, foul penalty hitting a guy out of bounds in Syracuse. I mean, I, I, I get it. The emotions are high, right? The emotions are high. And uh, thankfully for us, it was against the Orange and we won the game. So it wasn't scrutinized, right? But I still got my uh, my uh, ass chewing from Rich, right? Uh, that set me in the right in the right direction. But they they you you got to play smart football. You you cannot. Uh, and I know this is getting off the subject, but that's that's kind of what he's saying. We have to get we have to eliminate these little um, terrible nuances that uh, are starting to almost become habit. It seems at times completely agree completely agree jed we like to go to midfield with you as well too anything you uh saw in the field um anything you want to share with that key sideline eye of yours well i'll say this uh from being in the locker room pregame first of all i know we had a great week of practice um but but then even the atmosphere in the locker room and the energy when Neil was speaking to the kids before he came out the tunnel, uh, this was not a hangover issue. Okay. That's not what this was. I mean, sometimes you, you let one game beat you twice uh, and there was fear that would pit the pit loss do that. Okay. That, that's not what played out here. Uh, we had high energy. Uh, matter of fact, I, you know, after Neil was done speaking, I was go ready to play. I was ready to go play. And that's not often the case. I'm not that kind of guy. Right. But, but he, you know, he, he said some things that were really cool and the kids were really jazzed up and fired up. And, and we came out there and got off to the fast start and jumped out to the early lead and everything was going according to script. So I, I do think there was a lot of energy going into it, but part of that too, let's, let's give the fans credit. I mean, I was out there at the 50 for the coin toss and uh, there was a, a lot of energy in that building, a lot of energy. And look, it's overcast at the beginning of the game. It started raining later in the game. But uh, Mountaineer fans, we Mountaineer fans, and and uh, they did their part. They did their part, and uh, they made it difficult, more difficult than it otherwise would have been on Kansas. And uh, so there was tremendous atmosphere there. And then it, as it did start coming down in the second half, uh, especially, I mean, it was kind of sporadic in the first half. There were some drizzles, but in the second half, it started impacting things in terms of the ball, like at one point. You know, Jalen Daniels was way off the mark with one of his throws, and I could kind of tell from his body language it looked like a ball issue. And so I was standing next to the ball girl. And so the official took a ball that skidded that he threw that was way off target and threw it immediately to her. So she started to put under the towel, and I said, hey, hang on a second. Let me feel that ball. And I put my hand on it. Yeah, they were playing with a pretty wet football. That's why he was off the mark some. That's why you saw some sloppy play in other circumstances some. I kind of wonder to some extent if that played into what happened with Reese Smith on the on the muff punt. Uh, but look, obviously they made fewer mistakes than we did in the same conditions, in the same rain, in the same all that. But but uh, that's kind of what I saw playing out. And and again, I, I just can't say enough about the impressions made by JT Daniels on that sideline, you know, during times of crisis in a football game, um, like Owen just said, you look to your leaders and it's very apparent that that guy is that he embodies that in so many ways. And the fact that, you know, everything on the line, 
We start at the 13. It's, you know, rain's flying down in his face. Uh, and, and we march 87 yards to tie that game. It's just, that's, yeah. I mean, I walked over to him after that drive and I said, you were born for this, you know, and he just smiled, you know, he just smiled. Uh, but the energy that he brings to that sideline is always impressive. So those are some of the things that stuck out to me. But, and once again, I, I want to get clear on this before, you know, it gets too far out of hand. I, I, I'm not entirely certain what a targeting call is. I mean, it's become more subjective than a PI to me, you know, uh, like the hit on, on Jeremiah Aaron, uh, once again, you know, uh, you heard, you know, plastic, plastic clacking all the way across the field, uh, with the helmets hitting. Okay. And, and what they've tried to do with that rule this off season is, is take the forehead out of the equation from the defender, the defender's forehead and make it more about, okay, is, is the defender weaponizing the crown of their helmet to make helmet to helmet contact. And, and I'll say this, even during replay to me, the hit on Jira on Aaron's head did appear to be the crown of the Kansas defender. But at the end of the day, it was, it was overturned. Doesn't matter. But I, I just, I'm not clear on what that rule is. I'm not clear on it. So those are some of the things I noticed at field level. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it because there just is so much, there's just so many open doors. I yeah. mean, what's the discretion? I, you need to allow a margin for error for the officials because they're human and it's bang, bang. It's a high speed game played at high velocity. And obviously they're not always going to get it right. Even with the benefit of replay, they still miss it. So uh, you've talked about it before. We've had many conversations about this for many people. You need some level of, uh, you need to tear it somehow. So it's it's just like the face mask penalty. Yes. For five or yeah. 15. I mean, you have incidental or flagrant or yeah. And, and not all of them should involve ejections. Not all of them should, you know, you could have different levels of penalties with it, but, and that would help the officials out too. Yeah. You know, if they want to be deferential to the booth and call it, even if it's close, I get that because you're trying to remove those types of hits from the game. That's the spirit behind the rule. And I'm all for that. So if you want to do that, be deferential and understand that, Hey, I'm not tossing it to the booth with a risk of knocking a kid out of the game or throwing a kid out of the game that probably otherwise shouldn't be because it wasn't being malicious. Right. So that, that that's a consideration too. I mean, that's within tenths of seconds. I mean, these yeah. aren't, this isn't a play that took 30 seconds to develop or a hit to take 30 seconds to develop. This is like literally happening, you know, a blink of an eye. So, and that was without consequence because we scored on that drive anyway. Okay. It kind of just added to the story of JT's drive there, but but again, whether it's us or somebody else, I mean, we're all about trying to enhance player safety. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm not so sure this is doing that as much as it is impairing other things. So, I, I think it needs addressed. But that's an off-season conversation. Yep. We're going to keep this conversation going when we return on the other side. We'll do some good, some bad, some ugly, everything in between. We'll also give our pivotal moments from Saturday night's loss to the Kansas Jayhawks as well to Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt. It's ITG, the Kansas recap episode here. More when we return. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? 
You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton and Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Final segment here of Episode 7, ITG. you got to make sure you're getting with us on social media. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at In the Gun Podcast. We have polls. We have different things that we do. Uh, you can also, if you want to see our beautiful mugs, you can subscribe at In the Gun Podcast on YouTube as well, too, to get the video element of this. Not only all those things, fellas, but we also have a website as well now, too, jedITGfootball.com, I believe, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, all the episodes are available at ITGfootball.com. Uh, and as we keep talking about, stay tuned for merchandise. Uh, it is on the way. Uh, our people are talking to your people about working on it for our people. So it's coming soon. It sounds good. Well, my people are going to get back to your people to get back to go. Owen's people here soon. So yeah, it won't go. be much longer. Uh, Jed, let's get back into this. The projection that we had made for Saturday night was Mountaineers 35, Jayhawks 23, final score 55 to 42. I think the one thing that no or that maybe everybody was surprised by this, no matter, you know, WVU fan, Kansas fan, neutral, who was high or low on the programs, I think everyone was expected how high scoring this yeah. one was. was, was uh, I agree with by, that. Sorry, no one expected is to be this yes. high scoring. Surprised yeah, I know what you meant. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree, and I think – in large measure that was dictated by what we've already said a handful of times. And that was Kansas having their way up front and kind of dictating the terms of what played out at the point of attack. I mean, they consistently won on early downs and uh, we couldn't put them off schedule and they had an open playbook, all the, uh, the, the, for the balance of the game. Uh, we couldn't put them into predictable situations. They kept up all, all kept us off balance. They had us on our heels as a result. Uh, and we just, we couldn't be disruptive. Uh, we knew about the misdirection, the smoke and mirrors, the shifting, the unbalanced, the formation of the boundary. We knew about all those types of things that would test us coming in. We talked about all those types of things, but you didn't hear me talking about the possibility that Kansas was going to push us around. Okay. I didn't say that one time last week because nothing I have seen from our front seven and nothing I have seen from their O-line uh, would have suggested that. So that that's what took me by surprise, and I think that most directly contributed to so much scoring. And and uh, uh, JT had the hot hand, and he was going to be tough to stop offensively. I think we're doing a lot of things well. We were clicking. Uh, I don't think Kansas had a lot of answers for it, but when you can't get them off the field, we blinked first, you know. And this is one of those games, guys, that you kind of get up the morning after and, and you almost want to reassess and put football in its perspective. You really do, because it means so much to us, and it hurts so much. And uh, and, and you look around, and, and you know, in part, that's why I talked about, you know, Chris, you know. I mean, there's other things in life, but this really matters to all of us. And and it hurts. It hurts in a way that, like, you, 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 you feel like part of you is lost when you lose a game like this that you feel so strongly that you shouldn't have. And uh, 
but you, you got to forge ahead. And, uh, but, but anyway, I, let, let, let's walk this through. I mean, we're going to talk about some of the, the things we saw that we liked uh, every game. Hopefully you can pull some of that out, but there were a lot of things we didn't like and a lot of things that need shored up and a lot of things that need addressed. And, and the most obvious of which, I mean, I, I put together the format here and sent it to you guys, but there are some things that are itemized on here, but the obvious thing is going to be the mistakes, right? I mean, the self-inflicted wounds in the forms of some of these, in the form of some of these untimely penalties, you know, I mean, uh, whether it's a false start uh, that moves you from a goal to go at the one situation to a goal to go at the six or at the five to the 10 or wherever it might be, you can't do that. Okay. When the field shrinks, let it. Okay. When the field shrinks, let it. Don't expand the field with a silly penalty. Uh, and then obviously the one that we're all going to remember the most is most likely the roughing the passer by Taj Alston. I mean, that was a situation on a third and five, the beginning of the first overtime. Uh, he, he sprang clean off the edge. Jalen Daniels was moving to his left, kind of sliding through B-gap, working his way out, got the ball out. It was kind of an ill-advised throw, probably one of the few mistakes Jalen Daniels made all night. And we gang-tackled, knocked him for a loss at like the 28. So you, you were looking at a proposition. Kansas was going to face a fourth down uh, and a downpour. Uh, probably a 45-ish yard field goal. There's a fair little minute. Like the team that's 0 for 1 on field goal attempts this year, so there, there's a pretty good chance they end overtime. They're overtime with no points. So think of what that could have meant. But instead, the penalty gives them a, another, you know, breath of, of life, and they make the most of it and get in the end zone, and we all know what happened. But, but Taj, I mean, just like Owen said, you feel for him, right? I mean, he's been trying all night getting frustrated by the fact that this Kansas offense gets the ball out too fast. I can't get to him. I can't get to him. I can't get to him. I'm battling. I'm battling. I'm battling. Four quarters now overtime. I'm battling. I can't get to him. I can't get to him. Finally, he runs the hump, and he's like, he's in my sights. But, you know, go back and watch the tape. It was a good call. I mean, it was a full step at least, and he should have pumped the brakes a little bit. You know, the, uh, the official is going to look at that a lot differently if you go in trying to pump the brakes, even to make contact, and if you go in still delivering a blow, and it's going to get called every time. So we can't let those mistakes – we'll go through the rest of the mistakes, but I want your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, you got you to gotta be a football player there, right? You got to glance off. You got you gotta, you to gotta do the best you can to make it happen. And, and you know, we've, we've spoke on this enough, Jed. We spoke earlier on the phone. The stupid, you know, it's it's not good football. It's not sound football. Mm-hmm. Got to eliminate that stuff. Can't get your butt whipped up front. Got it. I mean, this is Division One football. Got to got to be able to tackle. Got to be able to wrap up. You know, easy things here. Turnovers. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the the special teams deal. Can Special team. See, that's why special teams is so important. They're plays that nobody thinks matter, but when when something does happen, something pivotal does happen. Right now, it's a big play. Right, you think you think they're all going to be bang bang plays, uh, and you know, for me, when we when we muff the punt, uh, bad weather situation, fourth and fourth and short, finally get a, a stop there. Um, they end up. Uh, recovering the ball and going going down and scoring three. Just momentum killers. 
Uh, and for for a defense, I'm dog tired. I need the break. You know, you, we barely got any wins as it was stopping them. And, you know, what was it? What did we just say? Four or uh, two? They were 11 for 15 on third down. And yeah, they were one for one on fourth down. Yeah. yeah. One and one on fourth down. I mean, you just, you can't, you got to make smarter decisions. And, you know, in, in that case right there, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, kind of spotty weather. Just get away from it. Just get away. Uh, you know, got to make smarter decisions. Like we said, that was, that's kind of my whole mental process for the game right now. We got to, we just got to do the little things right. So you had poor tackling. Uh, you had the turnovers were costly. Uh, we've talked at length about the Kansas O line pushing us around. Uh, and we did the same on offense. Like, that's the thing. Look, we had a great offensive game, right? Great offensive game. But it's two sides of the football, you know, and, and there's that, that, uh, brother-in-law right there's uncle raymond who's special teams and he's got to come to the game too so we all phases of the game have to click it's hard to win a football game man it's hard it's really hard you gotta play well on all three phases of the game you can't just you know and yeah we we've been we've had teams with dana where man we we could score a, a thousand points you know and we just we just hey last man to score wins but we don't want to be that football team, right? We don't want you score. Uh, you score forty-two points in a game. You should win the ball game every time. Every yeah, time. Uh, you should. Well, and I don't uh, care who you are. You got to. You got to yeah. win. So we got to be better. Uh, you know, we took. We spoke about the preview. Uh, we didn't think that was going to happen up front, but we got our tails whipped up front. You we can't did. lose at the line of scrimmage. Everybody knows it's 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 football one on one. It's football one one. We got to do better, uh, and, you know. And now we're going to a week where we're playing a, a quote unquote tune up game. What are we really going to learn from this game? And we spent the off season, from a personnel standpoint, trying to to plug some guys in that will give us some different looks up front. You know, we got a, a big horse and a three hundred and seventeen pound deep. We got so and, much lineup. Yeah, we we do. We have we more depth than there. we've ever had. I mean, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, you just you're trying it's to frustrate guys. Yeah, it's so frustrating because we just haven't had this, haven't had the roster like we have. And it's, you got to, I'm not saying you got to play lights out. You just got to do your job. Just yeah. do your job. For example, when somebody, when you see a receiver, whether it's an H-back or a tight end, oh, and you and I talked about this, busting clear up the rail when he's wide open. Do you think we called a defense? that was designed to not cover that guy. No, that's an assignment that bust, bust right? That's button. an MA. I mean, yeah. that's somebody's assignment whose eyes got too busy looking at the wrong thing. Stay focused, yeah. okay? Stay focused, make the appropriate reads, make the appropriate plays. In the coach's case, make the appropriate calls, right? And do a better job. But they consistently, when you watch the tape, uh, especially on the interior, they won pad level, they won leverage, their offensive line pushed us around with both those things. And uh, and and then when they got in the red zone, we we've talked in previous episodes. What we've done in recent years, we pride ourselves on the fact that when you get inside the twenty, we bow up and we hold you to threes, not touchdowns. Well, that wasn't the case in this game either, and we could have used a couple of those. Uh, but Wes, if you want to jump into some of the positives, because there were there were a lot of negatives to dwell on here. But yeah, I thought you know, um, 
it's appropriate you end with mentioning the red zone defense there because that's where you could have at least made up for hemorrhaging some of those yards was, was you know, holding them to threes. I guess maybe the, the other uh, part of that about letting Kansas, you know, finish so many drives and, and elongate so many drives is that our offense did the same thing, right? If you want me to talk positives, uh, they were good on third downs, had a lot of success there. They were, I mean, they were good, period. Obviously, they were good in the red zone as well too uh you had some big plays some splash plays early on to sam james it started and it continued to roll from there those are all positives for the offense certainly um bryce ford wheaton continues to look like one of the best wide receivers in college football mm-hmm. uh jt daniels clearly um has, has all has all the ability uh in the world um if you're looking for positives uh, there were a lot of questions about this offense coming into the season right uh, what does it look like under Graham Harrell? Where do you go with JT Daniels? Can you get this offense moving in the right direction? I know, you know, technically the offense scores 24 points. If you, you know, you, you give the punt block credit there to the special teams against Pitt in the backyard brawl. But if you go 24 points for the offense in the opener against Pitt, against, uh, you know, that defensive front and in that environment, and then 42 at home the next week for your first two games in a new offensive era, that's a pretty good building point there, certainly. Um, so if we're if you know if we're looking obviously to sprinkle in some positivity there, I th- I think that's definitely where I'd hang my hat. Yeah, one negative yardage play again. The penalties count, but you know they only knocked us backwards one time. So great job by the O line not uh, you know sealing up some of those leaks that we had against that that very fierce pit front seven. Uh, this was a different type of contest against a different type of defense, but. But uh, you talked about the wideouts, you know, that, that early touchdown. We, we look for two things in Graham Harrell that we talked about in those early episodes. Is he going to bring greater third down success? Well, a couple games in, we've seen that. And is he going to bring in more explosiveness? Okay. We've seen that as well. Well, that explosive touchdown to Sam James was a great route. You saw the DB split slip a little bit, Owen, but sometimes explosive routes force that to happen, right? Uh, you saw Bryce make things happen on that jailbreak screen and just outrun everybody. That's his athleticism being showcased. You saw KP. Boy, what a drive he had. He had some very crucial moments on that final 87-yard drive. He He's really starting to come into his own, and we need that to happen. But uh, great job of the O-line, more production from the backs. We need to limit the penalties. Uh, but uh, – Let's let's uh, let's get to the point where we're not turning the football over and not making these mistakes. And, and oh, by the way, how about we, we get to the point where we're forcing some turnovers. We're a turnover star football team a couple games in. And we need some of that as well. Uh, and that'll change the dy- dynamic of some of these games. But uh, yeah, the, the bad. I mean, we could go on the whole episode with with uh, what played out with them pushing us around. That's that to me. That's what most affected this football game uh and and again we've seen personnel that uh, pat narduzzi had i've said it before had to be sitting there thinking wow that's the same front seven that kind of manhandled my battle tested o-line that has more collective starts than any offensive line in power five football that front seven whipped me last week in the run game and they got pushed around by kansas so is it a function of how good are we when we show up? Do we not show up? Or is it a function? How good are we? I, we don't know yet. You know, we need to find an answer there guys, but this, this was tough. This was tough. And uh, I mean, we'll get into some closing remarks after we talk about our pivotal moments, but this was tough. 
Yeah, um, and as Owen mentioned a, a, a minute ago, you're not going to really be able to find out much in, in these regards against Towson next nah. week. Um, so you're you're really now waiting for a few weeks to Blacksburg. You're going to have to stew in this one a little bit longer. Only bad I news think. can come in the Towson game. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. hey, you better come to play because if they embarrass you, you're going to get your tail whipped. Only bad news can come. They're I'm telling you right now, it'll happen. They're 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 a two and O team that's kind of sitting there wondering, right? So, but it's difficult to find good news there. You want to you want to tighten some things up and see what plays out with live reps, but uh, you Honestly, better bring thousand, it. Just thousand thing I'm looking for is just no stoop, just no mental errors. Yes, play a sound football game because you can do that. Obviously, win, but just yeah. Eliminate those little mistakes. That's what I want to see going into the next game. That, to me, is a building block. You you talked about stacking plays, stacking yeah. games, whatever. That is something they need to stack. Eliminate the mental penalties. Like you, you that has to be gone. We we can't we can't make errors like that in critical games. Like I said, big time players make big time plays in big time games. You know, sometimes it's a big time game. So and every game is a big time game. It's it, it matters in practice. Tell yeah. point. If you're yeah. mistake free, it matters in practice. If you're mistake free, yeah. so certainly it matters in any between the lines game, irrespective of who you're playing. So mm -hmm. that's an opportunity to improve as a player, as a unit, as a team. Let's play a cleaner version of football against ourselves, against Towson, against whoever steps up next. Yeah, and honestly, if they can't get it. Hey, buddy, put on a 40-pound vest and run the stadium, all right? If you there can't you seem to understand it, here's your here's your sign. Law School Hill's right there. Yeah, I mean, at some point. I mean, what's the point? Is tough coaching has to come in somewhere? I mean, that's what it is. We'll have a full thousand preview for you later on in the week as we start to wrap this thing up, the Kansas recap episode. Gentlemen, pivotal moments. Owen, for you. Yeah, sorry. I already kind of – We all have – do we all have the same answer here, I think? I got a different one. Are you with Owen? I think Owen and I are both on the uh, on the muff punt. I'll let you go first on this one, Big O. Yeah, I just – what you know, what was our thing about this, this game we've been talking about the whole time? Smart plays, smart decisions. Know what's going on in the game. What is the situation? What's the atmosphere out right now? What's going on? Is it moist? Is there precipitation in the air? Is it wet? Is it raining? Uh, you know, if you think you can make the play, obviously I love the confidence about coming up. He got brushed, right? I mean, I give it to those guys. They are nuts. I mean, that is a crazy uh, job to do, catching punts. Uh, Vaughn Rivers used to do it for us. He was an absolute wild man. He would run up on those balls and plays like that. He would make plays. Um, bad, bad deal here for him. Literally, it, situationally in a bad situation, you're thinking, man, at least we're right next to the sideline. Uh, if anything does happen, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately yeah. we muff it. It's, it's literally within, you know, two yards of the sideline. They end up recovering it. Uh, maybe they could have looked at the replay and, and seen if it was absolutely what the call was. They didn't, uh, you know, I think it was a huge mo killer uh for for the defense for sure obviously offense was clicking but you just those guys are dog tired they've been getting their butts whipped all day finally make a big stop and uh we give it right back to me that was uh that was uh 
as a player, as a as a, a fan watching the game. That was it for me. Wes? Yeah. Uh, I, I did want to make sure to remind everybody, too, our pivotal moments are brought to you by our friends at High Street Prince. Visit them at highstreetprince.com. Oh, and everything you just said, um, I'm with you. You know, I, I, I thought about picking the Taj penalty as my pivotal moment. I thought about picking the missed opportunity on the forced fumble there right at the goal line after the Reese Smith mm -hmm. muff to get it back uh, and, and have a, you know, just a real galvanizing moment there for the defense on kind of back-to-back -back stops. But to me, yeah, um, you know, that, that reason, despite how everything had gone to that point, it's a tie game. It's 28-28. I never thought that the Mountaineers – I never had that, oh, crap, yeah. we really might lose this game feeling until that muff. I, I still, even at 28-28, I was like, yeah, this is a little tight, but we're going to be all right. We'll find a way to win this by 7, win this by 10. We'll be fine. It's a tie game. You can't stop them, and you finally stop them. I mean – to me, it's it's pretty simple. It's and I don't I don't think any of us we're not we're not ganging up on on Reese Smith or anything no. in that regard. Um, but it's you know Kansas only punted twice the entire game, and one of them you gave right back to them. You know inside your own red zone at a pivotal moment. So yeah, there were a a, a lot of pivotal moments in this one. There were a lot of uh, moments like that that a lot of the Mountaineers wish that they could have back. Certainly, but to me. Um, that one gets my gets my nod uh, this week, unfortunately, as well. That 28-28 game, midway through the third quarter, when it happened, you know. But uh, uh, that that was crucial. Uh, but in a game that, that did have a handful of them, the, the one that I reflect on most is, uh, you know, I, I looked at looked at a big picture. Kansas is coming in, okay, and they're 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 so desperately wanting to believe. We talked about how they've shifted their culture. Uh, they're 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 looking for something to feed these kids in the way of belief, right? Uh, they knocked off Texas down the stretch last year. They played well at TCU. They played well against us. You know, they did against an FCS team. What you're supposed to do that they haven't done in years, okay? So they're feeding them spoonful at a time. Hey, believe, 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 believe. So you want to knock that spoon out of their hand, right? That's that's our job. And the first half of a football game like that, knock that spoon out of their hand. Uh, don't let the spoon have more in it. And you had a situation where we were up 28-14 in the final and closing seconds of the first half. We talked about the red zone defense. And since Jordan Leslie took over this defense, it's that's can, been one of its signatures. As you swell up in the red zone, when the field shrinks, you get tough. You bow up. You hold them to field goals. The numbers they posted last year, the best in the Big 12 in seven years uh, from a touchdown elimination standpoint. So Kansas down 28-14, final seconds of the half, is facing a crucial and critical third down and five from the 17, okay? What they did, again, to the credit of their staff, they ran a play that they had not showed on tape. Trust me, I've watched them all the live long day. They hadn't shown this. They went empty, back next to the quarterback and the gun, Owen. They free-release stepped back, Devin Neal, through B-gap, Okay shot him up the seam, and guess what? It was right into a blitz. And you know what a free release means when we're sending the bandit and the Mike backer, okay? That means that, that, means that Jalen Daniels in position to read him hot, and there's nobody behind that blitz, okay? So it's, it's a look we hadn't seen. So Jalen Daniels, being the crisp decision maker that he's become, reads the blitz, reads the hot, hits the seam that we hadn't seen out of the free release running back, boom, Walsh is 17 yards in for a touchdown instead 
of us getting what would have been an incredibly critical stop to kind of throw a little water on that fire and make it a 28-7 two-possession game going into the end of the half. And they wouldn't have been energized with all this momentum. And I think maybe they approach things trailing from a two-position standpoint, getting the ball in the second half a little differently than, hey, guys, it's a one-possession game. Take care of business, and they're puckering, okay? They got a little bit of catch-up to play, especially with the hot hand JT Daniels had. It's almost like now now the onus shifts back to Kansas to start the second half, even with them getting the ball, and it might impact their play selection. We talked all night what we needed to do and couldn't. Put them in more desperate situations offensively. We couldn't get them out of their comfort zone. We couldn't get them in a trail position. We couldn't get them off script. Maybe if it's 28-17 at halftime, and maybe if they take the ball in the second half and still drive down and score, make it 28-24, JT does JT things. Now it's 35-24 midway through the third, and they're starting to feel it. Eh, hey, you know this 15-play drive stuff's not working so well. We better press a little. That press them into a mistake. Who knows? I thought that was a critical third down and five situation in the red zone in the final seconds of the first half. I think it could have changed what type of football game we saw the rest of the night. Yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it, Jed. Momentum is everything in college football. Uh, and when you're coming into a hostile place like West Virginia to play night game, uh, fans have been drinking all day. They're getting nuts. They're saying all sorts of things. It's loud. It's noisy. It's rowdy. Uh, as much as you can do to calm them down, uh, the better it is for you. And, uh, you know, this it, – it's going to be interesting to watch this team throughout their year, Kansas, uh, because confidence and, – and we spoke on this earlier as well. I, I gave you that quick Greenbrier West story. Mm -hmm. um, watching these kids build confidence has been amazing because now you're seeing these personalities happen. Giving this momentum to Kansas – Coming into the half, I mean, it's everything for a football team. And if you've ever been in a locker room before or if you've ever been on any kind of sports team, I, I say football, obviously, because that's what I grew up in. Um, it is a real thing. It's not uh, it's not some fake fairy dust that uh, is sprinkled on situations. Um, momentum's a huge thing in football games and big plays like that uh, from – from mistakes, you know, just give other teams massive. Uh, massive you said best when we were talking earlier, Owen. You, you talked about the old NBA game. You guys remember the old NBA game where you hit three He's shots on in fire. He's on fire. And, and the next thing you know, ratchets up and you can't miss. Okay, puts you in a different player mode. Uh, well, I, I almost got the sense that Jalen Daniels was on the verge of it. And that third and five, he's on fire. That third and five put him in that mode. Yeah. Now he goes into the locker room. Hey, guys, we got this. We got, you know, I, it just – it had a lot of impact. Momentum is a real thing. If you get kids believing, okay, now, you know, I, I know our fans are savvy enough to recognize. They'll watch this and listen, and they're not going to walk away saying, hey, they're saying Kansas is going to do this, and that's not what we're saying. Okay, what we're saying is Bobby Bowden always said there's four stages of building a program. You lose huge, you lose close, you win close, you win big. Well, Kansas is no longer in the every week in, every week out, lose big. They'll lose big some this year, trust me. And I don't want to kind of people come back and saying, hey, Jed, you said they're turning around and they just got beat 52 to 10. They'll have some of those games. That's part of the building process. But you know what? They won't have those games every week like they used to. So they're making progress and momentum with a team like that, belief like a team like that. All these things matter. 
And it was incumbent upon us to not let them achieve that. We didn't do it. We didn't do our job. Our job is to prevent the plays that give them that momentum. Our job is to prevent the plays that don't give them that belief or that do give them that belief. Don't let them have it. Swat it out of their hand. And we had plenty of opportunities to do that in all three phases. And at the end of the night, we, we didn't make that happen. The mistakes were too much to overcome. They're self-inflicted. They'll get you almost every time. There's Kansas teams in the past. Those mistakes wouldn't get you. You'd make mistakes and you'd still win 45 to 17. The same mistakes we made the other night, some of those old Kansas teams, you would have still blown the doors off of. This isn't that. It's a Kansas team we still should beat, but you got to play better against them. Texas found that out last year. Other teams will find that out this year. We didn't do that. We didn't win a game we needed to win. And you better fix some things, address some things. And I know that's going to be the intent of the staff, the team. They're going to circle the wagons and work on doing those very things because they recognize, look, this was another lost opportunity. This is our team. You know, what kind of legacy is this team going to leave? That's up to us in this locker room. You know, there's a lot of disappointed people across the state of West Virginia and beyond. There's a lot of disappointed people in that building. But only the people in that building can affect what what change plays out, you know. Uh, and, you know, I'll say this. Two games in uh, and a handful of press conferences in. So we have two games on tape in blue and gold, more than that on tape. But in gold, gold and blue, we have two games. And, uh, and then a bunch of press conferences and then team meetings. And JT Daniels is elite, okay, as advertised. He's an NFL quarterback who happens to play in, in college right now, okay? That is a guy that can take you into any venue in the Big 12 circuit against any team on the Big 12 schedule and lead you to a win, absolutely and without question. Now, without that guy, we have or nearly have at some point in the recent past gone into every venue against every team and either won or nearly won. Well, now we have that guy. So – What's going to play out around JT Daniels, knowing what we have and the special opportunity with a trigger man like that? What's going to happen around him? What's going to, how's the defense going to respond to what played out at the point of attack? Okay. How's the offense going to respond to some of these untimely penalties? How's everybody going to respond at large, recognizing, you know what? People get tired of hearing we're a couple of plays away from being 2 and 0. So why don't we just stop talking about it? Why don't we go out and make those plays? Because we got a guy at the right there pulling the trigger that not many people have. And we're blessed to have him. Let's make the most of this opportunity while we have him and turn this thing around. Get some things right. We didn't lose both these games 55 to 10. We're a couple plays away. And part of the reason we're a couple plays away is because JT Daniels helped put us a couple plays away. Build around him. Shore those things up fix the issues we are capable with that guy behind center of unbelievable things if you stop with the mistakes if you don't i just wasted two and a half minutes of your life problem but if we do wow what's po not possible that guy owen you know it you played with that kind of guy yeah you had number five you've told me how many times with number five around you guys felt hey if we just play solid football, anything's possible because we got number five. Number 18's that kind of guy. He's that kind of it factor guy. And the kids in that locker room, 
there's no doubt in my mind that's recognized. Owen? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, man, that kind of confidence in a quarterback who's your leader, who acts like a leader, who knows the game, who studies the game, who goes out and performs in the game. Uh, you know, I think this conversation might have to be had by maybe him and a senior defensive guy. Uh, letting these guys know, look, we're going to win some football games this year. You need to believe that. You need to believe in what we're doing. You need to believe in us. But like we've said all podcast, you got to eliminate the stupid mistakes. Got to do it. I'll take you to the promised land, but I need I need it cleaned up, and I need it cleaned up ASAP. Like I said, town's a game. Hopefully, you know, for me, a win is going to be the the small mental errors corrected. And if we can do that, that's uh, that's what I want to see. You know, we should blow the doors off of them, you know, obviously. But like I said, the small mental errors need to be cleaned up. And if that happens, we got better. If it doesn't, we can't wait to Virginia Tech. I'm telling you, that's a hostile environment. Jed, you've been there, Wes. I don't know if you have. It, it's a it's a rocking atmosphere. The fans are right on top of you. It's going to be loud. It's sold out. We will get our tails whipped. Mm-hmm. We will get our tails whipped. I doubt about it. And then it's you, a snowball. You got then a couple of choices, right, Owen? You yeah. Crawl into a shell, and you can say, "Hey, we're going to waste JT Daniels and go two and ten with him, or three and nine with him, whatever number you want to arbitrarily pick." Right? You yeah. you can say that, okay? Or you can look at it and say, "Look, here's what's possible with a guy like that." Yeah. You know, under ordinary circumstances, I'm not sure what will play out in a locker room with the adversity we've already faced as a football team, especially in this day and age with the escape hatch of the portal and so many easy ways out for young kids. Okay. Uh, a guy like that might just make things different, that dynamic, that presence. Okay. Like, you know, Wes, she worked with Steelers. Okay. This is long before your time, but people often point to Chuck Knoll's best coaching job with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a guy who won four Super Bowls. They don't point to the four Super Bowls. You know what they point to? The 1989 season. When they lost 51 to nothing to Cleveland in the opener, got beat 41 to 10 at Cincinnati in the second game. He rallied the team. They they entered the playoffs as a wild card, pulled an upset in Houston, and almost beat John Elway in Denver in the divisional playoffs after getting beat 92 to 10 in the first two games. So you're left with a couple choices when you stand at 0-2. Which way are we going to go? a lot of locker rooms will succumb to a start like that. Matter of fact, history is a graveyard of those locker rooms, right? Are we going to enter that graveyard or are we going to write a different story? And you know what? Look at that guy holding a pen in his hand over there wearing number 18. I'll tell you what, a lot of those teams in that graveyard didn't have a number 18. Yeah. Does that make us different? Does that make us a team still with opportunities? Because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of frustrated folks out there and they're going to call us delusional because we think we got number 18. We got a shot at doing some unique things and maybe winning some games. People don't expect us to win, but can we do it? Here's what I suggest people do. Anything's possible with JT Daniels. And I say this, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know how many are going to win. I don't know how many are going to lose. I don't know how close these games are going to be. I don't know anything. I just know that I'm a believer in that kid. Okay. And I know we got some talent on both sides of the football. It hasn't gelled. It hasn't come together. But with a guy like that, 
that could happen. Go to, if you haven't listened already, if you're listening to this podcast, please go to YouTube. Look up JT Daniels' post-game remarks following the Kansas loss. More specifically, skip ahead to when he was asked about what happened on the two-point conversion. Okay? That isn't 400-level football. That is graduate-level football. Okay? That is a master's. Guys. He walked you through his yeah. thought process and the two-point play to tie the game. Yeah. That is a master's class in championship-level quarterbacking. And that's who's pulling the trigger for us right now. And that's why if you fix what, what's ailing you, there's no guarantee you can or can't. But if you do, that guy makes some pretty cool things possible for you, irrespective of what happened at Pitt, irrespective of the fact that you lost a game you should have won against Kansas. With that guy, you have enough talent on both sides to fortify this. There's no promise that's going to happen. Okay. There's no promise, but that's my take on this, the 18 factor. So we'll see. Yeah. I like it, Jed. And uh, like I said, Hey, keep being you brother, because mm -hmm. you're the real deal. He is. Yep. Well, only one way forward, start to clean it up Saturday against Towson and then reassess from there. We will have a Towson preview for you later on in the week, but that'll do it for this episode, episode number seven. Great stuff as always, gentlemen. Hopefully this was cathartic for everybody listening, and uh, this will be the um, the classic it's always darkest before the dawn moment uh, that we'll look back on and, uh, and hopefully uh, change things for the better heading, uh, heading down the stretch here in these final ten games of the season. For Jed Drenning, for Owen Schmidt, I'm Wesley Euler. Thanks, as always, for listening to this episode of ITG. Be an ear, tell an ear about your new favorite WVU podcast, and we'll talk to you guys later on in the week to get you ready for Towson. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.